Welcome to Re-Review, where we watch movies from our past with a perspective from today. Your hosts are Matt, Bobby, and Austin, and we love the films from our youth, so we're taking a look back to see if they still hold up. On this episode, we're discussing The Crow. It was released in 1994, directed by Alex Perez, starring Brandon Lee, Michael Wincott, Rochelle Davis. This movie tells us the story of someone resurrected from the dead to avenge their own murder. Now, this is a fair warning. We're spoiling in 24, wait, 18-year-old film. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't seen this movie, we'll, we'll be revealing key plot points. So I want to start off with, Bobby, did you see this in the theater? I did not. I'm pretty sure I only watched the TV edit. Oh, there was a TV edit. So you're talking USA or something? Yeah. So what uh, what made you pick this film? It's been a long time since I've seen it, and I thought it was worth revisiting. I remember some iconic scenes from the trailers, like slow motion walking through puddles of light, through darkness, and a slow motion crow flying, and a burning silhouette outline of a crow and i thought okay like this is a pretty stylized interest looking interesting looking movie so i think it's worth checking out i mean there's a lot of history here is this I, and you could say this is actually my first time watching it is this considered a cult film i think there is some cult status to it i think at this point yeah it definitely has that cult following probably more so during like maybe like the early 2000s i remember hearing like a lot about this Mm -hmm. but this is Um, based on a comic yes i don't know if it's like a direct one-to-one uh as far as like the story goes but i do remember like the character name definitely is the same um and the premise obviously but i don't know if it's a one-to-one as far as the actual story of the movie goes so ultimately he's a superhero right yeah, he's a zombie superhero. I mean, but we it, like zombies, right? <laughs> we do. You know, it's it's funny watching it um, in the era that we're in. Because, I mean, obviously, during this time period of the 90s, there weren't as many superhero movies as what we're used to now, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's 20, 30 of them in, you know, theatrical and TV show formats. Um, during this time, you know, it was just off, you know, after the Burton movies had come out, because I think uh, Batman Returns had come out in 92, the Schumacher movies, I don't think were out yet. Um, you know, this was around the same time, like Dark Man and a couple of those other kind of cultier type of movies were out and about. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see it, knowing that it very much is a superhero movie, mm-hmm. but not in the traditional mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, we're kind of used to now, there's, you know... A, a renaissance of superhero media where they're, they're trying to go outside of what a typical superhero is now in comics. Um, but it very much, you know, we, you know, we had these kind of properties, like it was like this and Sandman were the two that I remember during this time period that had that kind of like, you know, dark Gothic feel to it. You did a little throwback in there and listener, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to our dark man episode. I was picking up on some Darkman vibes. Bobby, did you get some of those? I, I did. And I like that you mentioned Darkman, but also like I think it's almost unfortunate that anytime it's nighttime and there's a superhero-ish character, they always get compared to Batman, I think. So it's like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, like here's some Batman-ish kinds of stuff with like 
the setting was this like Detroit, like apocalypse kind of city and this night before Halloween, the devil's night or whatever, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of comparisons to other kinds of things there. You had to look, I think you saw a reference there that told us it was Detroit, but it was really just like a toy model, wasn't it? Yeah, they really made a lot of use of a city model, like a a scale model where they would do a lot of, I'm assuming they're like crow point of view shots where they were flying through it. But from the very, very beginning, the opening scene, it's all on fire, kind of reminiscent of Blade Runner and that kind of thing. And then a whole bunch of model shots and it was kind of artfully done, but I mean, it was, it was kind of clear that it was a model, you know, sometimes like with Lord of the Rings or whatever, it's looking at a gigantic castle. It's like, I'm not really sure like what technique they used here. If it was like a painting or, or, you know, a a mixture of techniques, but this one was pretty sure like, okay, like this is a model, but it was interesting that they used it because I don't know. There was there was this interesting artificiality to the the way the whole thing was made. Like it it, it didn't seem like it was actually Detroit, but it was like the model generic city, one yeah, on one, or generic and, and, and then, city. And then all of the all of the streets. It seemed like they were like a cut off set, basically like three streets of a set, like the new york or chicago like universal backlot like area mm-hmm. where it was mm-hmm. basically like even when they had like a car chase is like okay let's use this right angle of this lot and then come back around and do the same thing so just, it was just like, flip it yeah and i mean i think that's kind of interesting it's kind of like a throwback to like i don't know like a musical like oklahoma that's like you know it's like clearly all done on a stage but like it doesn't really matter that it was done on a stage and I feel like this kind of movie is kind of like that, where it's almost like a theatrical, like like um, a theater-based um, kind of situation, where it only takes place in a couple of a couple of locations. Like there's the there's like concert venue, and then a couple other places that they just continually revisit, and so it's very like a contained environment. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the the concert part a bit later. Um, I'd say let's talk about what we're actually presented with because there's something that was puzzling me in terms of if the crow re- represents being a superhero. When did you feel like you understood what the powers or abilities were? I'm still confused. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, like what the I... whole what the crow was doing. Like I understood kind of towards the end of the movie that. The crow was kind of like a proxy for this guy's immortality. And I, and at some point I realized like through this crazy like crow vision going on where it's this weird like 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 um final cut skewing, like final cut pro X like skewing black and white like crow point of view vision that was kind of interesting that kind of took me like a little while or or at least one of you said like wait, that's the crow point of view that we're seeing. And it's like, oh, right. Like he can see what the crow sees and he like his life is what the crow sees. And then I'm still confused, like exactly. So he was brought back to life, but he thinks 
and I guess this is true, that he came back to life so that he could just murder a bunch of people and then die again. Yeah, like a like a Phoenix rebirth, but with the only intent to go kill others. Yeah, that's that kind of seems like it's not the way the reason people are like, you know, usually like if you're come back from the dead, you're supposed to make something right. Which is in what a good he's way, doing, but yeah, not right? Like, not like I mean, in a murdery kind of way. I mean, he punished the guys who killed him and his girlfriend, and I guess the cops are not doing anything because you know, I I would think that it'd be pretty easy to catch these guys, but I guess not. Well, they kind of framed it like it was all happening in one night, so maybe like they were just a step behind or whatever. So you're still puzzled, Matt. Do you think you have a final list on the superpowers? All abilities? Well, yeah, like the Wolverine healing and then some kind of drug sucking power. And like he could he could extract the the morphine or whatever he called it out of the out of the woman. <laughs> I actually forgot about the drug sucking power. When you say it that way, it sounds like a like she got stung by like a, a manta ray or something or some kind of poisonous jellyfish. Quick, that was like some venom. puppet where they like sucked it out of her arm and it just like all of a sudden just like drooled out of her arm and she's like, okay, I'm better now. I'm gonna go be a mom now. Well, I said the for me the one I think I found the most interesting and I wrote down that I guess he's technically what an empath, his ability to touch people and see visions as a result of what they experience but then we also learned he can transfer those visions i felt like right. that particular tool set could have been used a, a lot more or at least i would have found i think more things interesting if that was delved into because it was always these quick snapshots of quick ideas but it, it was like we saw at a moment where he he touches the police officer um what ernie hudson and then gets the vision from placing his hands on his eyes. But then next thing he's screaming, like, don't touch me. And it's like, wait a second. No, touch him more. Let's like get more understanding from what you're experiencing. Was he able to transfer pain too, or only just the visions and feelings? We saw like a direct transfer of pain. We did definitely see a direct transfer of pain, which I guess gets us to the whole thing with the story, right? So you have uh, a young couple who gets murdered because they didn't want to give up their lease so their apartment could be burned down in a terrible insurance scam does that sound right matt is this a gentrification movie now that i think about it oh my gosh (laughs) wait is that what was happening i thought it was like there was some kind of corrupt like the the whole no no yeah the whole basis of this is just real estate the whole thing was just about real estate apparently right but there wasn't some marlboro man cowboy goth guy yeah, there's some kind of like overarching like real estate situation. Wait, this is this is Dark Man again. <laughs> it, it is Dark Man again. So, but wait, there's like Sorry, some we all corrupt- have to take a pause on that. Let's accept the Dark Man into our lives. <laughs> wow. But yeah, well, and then I brought it up too. Is you know they they went they murdered this couple. Though they, I can't remember who it was, T-Bird or somebody said that wasn't their intention. They just wanted to scare them. But him jumping in and apparently, you know, uh, aggravated it to murder. But even then, like after they're all gone, 
Supposedly they were the last holdouts in this apartment complex, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't do anything with the building. Like it was just left abandoned and like no oh, yeah, like, it's p- a year pictures later. were still there. Yeah, it was a year yeah. later. They mm-hmm. never did anything. That was the yeah, weirdest they, thing to me. That well, maybe was the they thing were trying that, to keep like keep it keep the keep it like a direct connection away from them, like their their organized crime. Like wait I at mean, least wait at least a day before they like <laughs> <laughs> day year yeah. Do we do we accept the supernatural premise the way that I felt the characters did in the movie in a in a very surprising way? I really don't understand how like especially some of those villains are like, oh hey if you shoot the crow this guy's power comes from that like. <laughs> Well, that was revealed later through, uh, what was it, uh, the Biling Bi- Micah, the Micah character, or Misa, yeah, I'm not sure uh-huh. what it was. But but earlier on, let's say when these characters are first interacting with, with Eric as the, the crow, there was a very rapid acceptance of him being back from the dead. Don't you feel? I don't know. I feel like it should have been spookier, but he's having conversations with the cop and the cop's kind of like, wait, you died, but cool, you're here now. And he accept all the powers and stuff that came with it too. Yeah, that was that was really weird. And you would think, I don't think anyone had that reaction besides maybe like one or two of the bad guys. And it and it was just like you're dead, you're dead, or something like that. Like, how are you not dead? Even the other bad guys were like, would watch him heal and be like, yeah, whatever. I'm still gonna taunt you and try to shoot you again because, whatever. Yeah, it, yeah. it seemed it seemed really strange for it to be that way because I'm thinking if this dude came back from the dead a year later and you recognize who it is, you should have a lot of questions because their world. I, I, well, maybe it was through the what what do you call him, the Mar- Marlboro Man. Marlboro Man. <laughs> maybe through his character, he seemed to have some kind of understanding of the supernatural since they were very into the idea of having other people's eyes. Yeah, I didn't get that, but. I, I do have a question for you guys. Like, why did he come back a year later? Why wasn't like? Why well, I mean, it's him? the it's the anniversary, right? Oh, the it's, oh, the like the holiday, the devil's yeah, day or the, the devil's it had day to be or whatever that day. Okay, I've I feel like I've seen that premise in other revenge movies where they come back like exactly like a year later or like on the anniversary of like this movie very much felt like a combination of you know like Dark Man, Sandman. Uh, it came later, but Kill Bill, um, you know, El Mariachi, like it very much has like that kind yeah. of revenge movie feel. And I feel like that's almost like a trope where mm-hmm. they come back on the day of, I mean, even, even Halloween, the movie, he comes back on the anniversary of, you know, the killings or whatever, like he didn't show up on, you know, like, you know, the 4th of July, I guess it just didn't have the murderous ring to it. It'd be better if it was just a random Tuesday. <laughs> I guess so. So looking at it, I mean, how do you feel this this movie holds up to like the way we look at these types of films today? You know, you let's let's look at it from the perspective of the action we saw and and even with the acting and the way things went. Um we know there was a sequel, but is this something, you know, we're looking at in terms of should maybe be remade or the idea of it could be fleshed out a bit more? I don't know what the sequels did, but I was really thinking that pretty much the whole time we were watching this is that I felt like the story could translate. I mean, what story was there? I mean, maybe it could be told from a different framing or a different point of view and a different structure. 
But I think the whole idea of the crow and all that kind of stuff, and the crow is kind of like a a gate person, like a a gate creature to the afterlife kind of thing is is interesting, and then a revenge story. But I do think they're kind of like more compelling revenge stories, and I mean they they really pushed pushed it home about him being super upset about his wife but that really didn't translate to me like I didn't really feel like the pain in it like I did like maybe in a movie like Gladiator where in that movie like his family was killed but I really felt for him more than I did in this kind of idea and that's kind of mm-hmm. like the same kind of idea where he's kind of presumed dead and then come comes back for revenge I do know that with um, there has been a oh man at least since mid two thousands, late two thousands, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. There's been talk of reboots, mm-hmm. and it's been one of those things where it's been like an ongoing, um, a story unto itself, where you can almost make a movie about the attempt to make a remake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I man, all kinds of different actors were attached to it. Um, Luke Evans, I know, was attached, and Jason Momoa, and huh. But you know, the weird thing about it is, is for the longest time, whenever I'd hear about those, I'd be like, no, no, don't touch it. It's you know, it's like short circuit. It's a movie of its time. You know, you really can't really touch it. You know, like Back to the Future, you can't remake that. But after watching it now, I could totally see it remade, Mm. and do a reboot of it would be totally acceptable. I think. How much, Matt, do you think the the real world tragedy tragedy of actually losing Brendan Lee with the creation of this film factors into the thought process that people go into with the idea of remaking this? I mean, I'd like to think that that plays a part of it, but it also didn't stop them from making sequels, which I get weren't entirely tied into this character. Um, but I do think that that kind of it does tend to have a um, a lingering effect on productions whenever you have somebody who's associated. Because even now, if I'm sure if you asked anyone who they've envisioned as the crow, even though there's been at least two or three other people who have played the crow, um, they always think of Lee. You know, mm-hmm. it's not too different than you know Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther, and mm-hmm. you know you very you very much mm-hmm. see you know even even though we've had what an equal number, if not more Superman's, most people still see Christopher Reeves as Superman. Yeah. Um, so I, they're very tied together, but I do think that there's a basic enough story and concept and look that, you know, they could do it. And I think enough time has passed that I think that there wouldn't be too much of a stigma attached to it. I think. Plus, as you mentioned, we are living in superhero overlo- uh, overload. Mm. So it, even at probably the low end of a recreation of this, they could probably do a really decent job with with building out and fleshing out the story. So maybe we aren't just living in a tiny model city. Ah, TV show. Like we're on the universal backlog. Okay, yes, you know me. <laughs> yeah, you know me. You the TV adaptation. If you turn it into a TV show, I'm okay with all of the universal <laughs> backlog. Give me all of the toy models because I'll, I'll just run with it at that point. If it's a CW type of show, no, 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 no. Let's we'll we'll start with a Netflix miniseries and we'll we'll see where we go from there. You don't want the CW hot people in their twenties playing teenagers. <laughs> this you this know, this would be the crow in high school. This yes. would be the crow in high school if we're not too careful. 
Oh my goodness. I, I mean, from like the, if we look back at the tech stuff and I know we're poking a little bit of fun at the, the model work and, and what we're seeing there, but we're looking at the same movies that came out in the, at the same time. And the CG here was, a uh, you know, I won't say it's the worst, but it wasn't that great either. And then we, as we heard the music, we, I mentioned I'd come back to this and the sound effects, there's a lot of things repeated over and over again. And they were definitely trying to drive home the uh, Stone Temple Pilots, that, you know, 90s feel of music, even incorporating a very, uh, what I felt like was a Buffy Vampire the Slayer band cameo. That band was probably so happy to be in this film. And that song was not so happy to my ears. (laughs) It is is funny because I feel like there was... uh, a bunch of movies that did that where they would have the, the club sequence. I mean, to be fair, it can be done right because to this day, I will still associate Dracula with the matrix. So you, you can do it. It's totally possible. And it doesn't have to be offensive as far as like being in your face or, you know, a Coors light promo or whatever, where they're just trying to sell you some song or some band or whatever. But I don't think they really nailed it with this because they did like two or three times with different mm-hmm. bands. And I was like, okay, I get it. We're in a club. 10 seconds was all I really needed. I don't, <laughs> I didn't need a 30 second music video. It definitely was music video style. So, so I'd say Matt, like if you're looking at it and let's say you had full control of creating this film back in 90, 1994, what would you change to kind of ramp this up a little bit to make it, to make it better for you? You mean just as a movie in general? Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was, I tended to be okay with it towards the latter half of the movie. I definitely feel like the action improved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they stuck to screenplay one Oh one with the starting with the inciting incident, which is fine. Um, but getting the, the characters and everything else as we got them, I tended to not really care too much about their relationships. And I feel like the, and I get it. It was the early to mid nineties. The, the, the crew that committed the murder, whatever was just out there as far as their personalities. I think I made a comment like they would, you know, go really well with the, the, the gang from RoboCop in the eighties. And, (laughs) you know, even, even the bullies from, you know, the back to the future two movie, like they're very much in like that, that energy level. Um, I think that if they would have done that, I think also maybe if they would have established a relationship between uh, Lee uh, Lee's character and Ernie Hudson's character before the mm-hmm. death, mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been a little bit more interesting. Because I, I kind of they I felt like the energy between those two was actually pretty good. What about um, establishing anything before the death? <laughs> the girl, the wife. Okay. I think we know what Bobby would like. Yeah, I mean, you're getting into really wanting to know more about that backstory right because we get the flashbacks but like i mentioned they don't really go in depth on anything um you know bobby how did you feel he eric the character has this relationship with the girl sarah but you didn't really know that right i guess you can kind of like fill in the gaps but that's what's required was because they didn't outright tell you i mean maybe that's fine for this type of movie but I assume what happened is that they saw that her mom was just a druggie and there's just some kid just hanging out, you know, by herself or 
out and they're like as concerned people they're like as concerned aware people they say what is this kid doing all by herself let's take her in maybe buy her some meals and then maybe a friendship developed and in between the three of them and now they kind of like had a little surrogate family with her because she needed something and you know like now they have this kid off the street in this clearly dangerous like model city and so I mean, you're definitely but, filling in the gas for me you're actually doing the work right now yeah i mean that, <laughs> everyone that's listening is of, appreciating this that's just kind of what i assume right but they don't say any of this they just they just you just imply that they're friends and it's a strange friendship but it's a friendship and so but i mean i i think it's it is and we've talked about this before how it's it's even kind of just tropey to have like a there's a there's a term for it right when the good guy like cares after the dog and and you know like it's kind of like a just a movie way to get you to know that this is a good person right like i feel like that's basically why this girl was in there is mm-hmm. to because otherwise this dude is like he's crazy he wipes himself with makeup and wears all black and goes out at night and kills everybody right like that's like he's the same as all the other characters the other villains except for he loves his wife and this and, and loves this girl yeah this girl so otherwise as much as he all, can they'd all just be the exact same like why aren't crows coming after the other dudes and oh hey you got murdered now like come back and kill the other guy you know well i mean he did wipe out also like a table full of uh <laughs> of bad guys on top of the people he was trying to get revenge against there's a lot of extra in there i'll say so we'll pivot to the question we always like to ask which is you know are you recommending this film matt what do you say that is so tough this time around because there's the cult nature of it where like, I want to recommend it because I feel like if you don't, there might be a section of hot topic you won't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like it, uh, it just doesn't feel like a complete movie. Like, I don't know, maybe because of Brenda Lee's death, they couldn't finish it all or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I say you could probably pass if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, probably don't watch it again just because it might tarnish what you thought the movie was that's that's a a good way of putting it bobby when i first watch a movie after having not seen it for a very long time it's interesting for me to kind of look at it again because now i know what it is i know what to expect and so it would be really interesting to take a look back at it and see what it is for what it was but I feel like at this point, I'd much rather see the Netflix remake that we're talking about either in movie or TV form, because I just feel like this movie suffers from just some things that are lacking, like Matt's head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think I'll agree with you, but for me, it's a, this was my first time watch, so I had an idea in my head of what I thought this was going to be about, but there's elements here that I felt it was incongruous. It didn't really tie things together as neatly as I'd like, but I am definitely interested in our Netflix remake, so please, Netflix, reach out. You are giving everyone checks for stuff, so let's just do this, too, while we're at it, right? No? Maybe? Anyone out there? Knock, knock? Um, as always, listener root. Appreciate you listening. Thank you so much, and remember, real love is forever. Mm-hmm.